Hello and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. Hello everyone, my name is Clint Schwartz. I'm the lead pastor here. Thanks for being here today. Really glad to have everyone. Um, just a reminder, just an announcement for me that we have the prayer room open on Tuesday nights from 6 to 9 p.m., and then also on Thursdays from 11 a.m. till 1 p.m. over that lunch hour. And we've had quite a few people come out and hang out with us uh, during that time. So just a reminder as to what it is, we we basically just open up the auditorium uh, for prayer, and it's just an opportunity for you to come and spend time uh, one-on-one with God. And uh, we've had a couple people give us some feedback on it. One Note was this, she said, so glad I pushed through and made it to the prayer room last night. Thank you for following God's call and starting it. And, and by the way, it's, it's going to take some pushing through if you want to um, get closer to God. I mean, it just does. And so things like going to church, things like going to a prayer room, going to a worship night, uh, are, are going to take pushing through opposition or maybe saying no to something that you might want to do, but you want to be closer to God, so you do these things. This was another comment. This is my third week in a row coming to the prayer room. The first week, God gave me the word breakthrough. Each week, I've come expecting some type of breakthrough and have not been disappointed. Tonight, as soon as I walked through the doors, I felt God is here. God is good. Come expecting. So... Uh, Again, we've had several people who have come, and they've come for 15 minutes, or they've come for three hours. It's wide open, and it's just an opportunity for you. Bring your Bible, and just sit, read your Bible, and spend some time with God. So I'd encourage you guys uh, to to come out and try that out. If if we continue to get the kind of attendance we've had, we'll we'll keep it going. Um, So we appreciate you guys coming out to the prayer room. All right, so I got a question for you. Have you heard of this new trend? This is where celebrities are going over to Israel to get baptized or rebaptized in the Jordan River. Anyone heard of that? Seen a little bit of that on social media? Well, I first heard about it last year. Mario Lopez was baptized in the Jordan River and posted on social media. You might recognize him from Dancing with the Stars or in my day, it was Saved by the Bell. That's how I knew him. What was his name in Saved by the Bell? Slater, Slater, I couldn't remember that. So, but I saw that he got baptized. I thought that was pretty cool that he did, he did that. And then in June, Deshaun Watson, the Houston Texans quarterback, was baptized in the Jordan River, posted that on social media. Last month, Lecrae, you might have heard of Lecrae, he's a Christian rap artist, he was baptized in the Jordan. And then just a few days ago, Demi Lovato, went over and was baptized in the Jordan River. And I want to read what she wrote in her post. She says, I'm an American singer. I was raised Christian and have Jewish ancestors. When I was offered an amazing opportunity to visit the places I'd read about in the Bible growing up, I said yes. There is something absolutely magical about Israel. I've never felt such a sense of spirituality or connection to God something I've been missing for a few years now. Spirituality is so important to me to be baptized in the Jordan River, the same place Jesus was baptized. I've never felt more renewed in my life. 
This trip has been so important for my well-being, my heart, and my soul. And then when I looked at her post this past week, it already had 3.3 million likes. You know, so that was really sweet that she did that, posted, had pictures. But not everybody thought it was really sweet. Do you guys know that there's a lot of people in this world who hate Israel? Do you know that? And so they were pretty mad at Demi Lovato. She got a free trip. All she had to do was just post, you know, a couple pictures on it. And it was a free trip escorted around Israel. But there were a lot of people who were really mad at Demi Lovato for doing that. You know, because they, they hate Israel. And so she had a lot of comments that weren't so nice. Here's just three of the PG-rated ones. So a guy incognito says, look, I don't care an ounce about religion, but how dumb do you have to be to accept a free trip to that region in return for some posts and not expect it to be politicized? What a dope. Then the next person says, to answer your question, as dumb as Lovato. That was really smart, right? I mean, his response. And then the next one says, her response just outs her as a useful idiot in that situation. She's precisely what an apartheid state looking for wholesome PR is needing these days. And there were many, many more comments, much more worse, much worser than that. Demi responds with this. I'm extremely frustrated. I accepted a free trip to Israel in exchange for a few posts. No one told me there would be anything wrong with going or that I could be possibly offending anyone. With that being said, I'm sorry if I've hurt or offended anyone. That was not my intention. Going against all advice right now and apologizing because it feels right to me and I'd rather get in trouble for being authentic to myself than staying quiet to please other people. I love my fans, all of them from all over. And since then, she's actually removed the comments off of that post, all the comments off that post, and the ability to post comments on it. But she left the post up there, you know, and left it up there with the original thing that she said and all of the pictures. So good for Demi. I bring that up because this world, it's just an example of how this world can be incredibly cruel. Right? I mean, we've seen that. Seems like there's more anger and hatred in our culture than ever before. Demi Lovato last year almost died from a drug overdose. And if she needs anything right now, she needs to have her faith renewed. She needs opportunities to go over to Israel and, and have her faith, you know, renewed again. That was the best thing for her. What she doesn't need. She doesn't, she doesn't need anger and name-calling and hatred. She doesn't need that. What she needs is Christ-like love. That's what she needs. In reality, that's what we all need. It's what the world needs right now, right? What the world needs more now than ever is love. Here's the deal. God gives his love to people through people. That's how he does it. Let me say that again. God gives his love to people through people. It's through his people, through his children. And if you call yourself a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, that means through you. That means through me. That means through us. John 13, verses 34 through 35 says, A new command I give you, 
This is Jesus speaking. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the marker of being a Christian, according to Jesus, isn't having a fish bumper sticker on our car. It isn't going to church. It isn't even having the Bible memorized. That's not the marker of being a Christ follower. Jesus says, they'll know that you're one of mine. You'll, they'll know that you're one of my disciples if you love one another. If you show that. And I would say what the world needs now more than ever is people to love one another, right? I mean, it's really our time. If we call ourselves a Christian, this is our time. This is our time. So hold that thought. We're in a message right now called Living on Mission, and it's based on our church's mission statement. Our mission statement says this, Lighthouse Vineyard Church exists to train and encourage people to love God, love people, and shine Jesus within the city of Elkhart and the surrounding county. So to simplify, love God, love people, and shine Jesus. That's what we're all about. And so we're in a message series right now talking about those three things. Last week, we introduced the concept of loving God. How do you do that? And we had a couple of points from there. We can all show God love by getting emotionally involved. Getting emotionally involved is something that we kind of did today. I don't know about you, but I was, I was emotionally moved during worship today, that time of just, just praising God. And, and God wants our hearts. He wants us to be emotionally involved in our relationship with him. And then the second point is we can show God love by being all in, not having one foot in the world and having one foot in our faith, but being fully committed and devoted to Christ. That's one of the ways that we can show God love. And if you missed that message, you can listen to it on our website. Just go to our website, or you can download the podcast as well. So that was Love God. And today we're going to talk about loving people. How to show God's love to people. We'll be in Mark chapter 12. You can turn there if you would like. You can use a smart device, your phone, iPad, or whatever. Uh, also, we'll have it up on the screen. Last week, we covered a couple of these, of these verses, and we're going to cover one more today. But let me set this up. In this section of Scripture, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law are trying to trap Jesus in what he says, and Jesus is winning the argument. And then a teacher of the law sees that Jesus is really smart. He's got this all figured out. And so he goes to him, and I believe authentically, he, he asks a very specific question and Jesus gives him a very good answer. So verse 28, chapter 12, we'll pick it up. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So last week, we covered the first section of that, which was to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. 
And today we're going to cover the second part where he says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I love that Jesus didn't just give him the top one. You know, he said, here's the top two. And I believe the reason he said that is because they're so close to each other. We're supposed to love God and we're supposed to love people. They're really, really close to each other. So we're going to talk about that today. Our message title is Living on Mission, Loving People. Very simple statement. Living on Mission, Loving People. And then I'm going to pray and we'll give you a couple of points. So Father, I come to you and thank you for your son Jesus who loved people really, really well. I thank you for that example. And so Lord, I pray today that you would open up our ears and our hearts to receive what you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, so Tony Nenga is going to give us our first point. I'm going to invite Tony to come on up here. If you would, make him feel welcome. You're too kind. <laughs> um, thanks, Pastor Clint. So our first point today, you can write this down. We can love people well when we use me as the standard. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. So that as yourself part, that's what we're going to be focusing on today. I think loving our neighbor in today's society is pretty challenging, don't you think? I think, uh, I think of like the old days where if you ran out of sugar or salt, you could just go next door and grab some because you know your neighbors, they've got you covered. Or if you just went outside and they were having a barbecue, you knew you were invited because you're their neighbor, right? It was more like an extended family. But what does that look like today? Matthew 17, 12 says, So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. So I began to look at that and say, what does it mean to use me as a standard? So if you don't know me well enough, I like gadgets. I'm a big like geek when it comes to the newest technology or whatever's going on. So usually like when the new iPhone comes out, like in September, I have a little watch party to, to watch what's, what's dropping. I know everything about it before it drops. Sometimes I find myself at, at Best Buy just walking around, just aimlessly, don't want to buy anything, but I'm just looking because that's the kind of stuff that makes me happy. But it may look a little bit different for you. So a couple weeks ago, I saw a message, or not a message, but a video on um, Michael Schwartz, Clint's son, on his story. And it was of Clint. They were at Menards, and they were looking at, like, hunting equipment. And he just looked so happy to be there. <laughs> he just looked like a little kid in the candy store. Like, oh, my gosh, I'm looking at, you know, hunting equipment. Or my friend over here, Matt LaFree, he likes to watch golf on TV and fall asleep on the couch. So, because that's the stuff that makes him happy, right? So how do we apply that to loving others? I believe that what Jesus was trying to tell us in Matthew 7 is that we need to take that same love, the love that we have for ourselves, and project that on others. We need to put ourselves in their shoes and see what would make them happy and do that. So what does that look like? Uh, so my wife and I, Katie, who was up here with me earlier, we generally have what I like to call date night on the couch. So we'll, <laughs> we'll order pizza or like, you know, we'll have Chinese or something. We'll be sitting on the couch. 
So we'll get ready to watch a show. And I sit down. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm about to press play. And she goes, um, I forgot my fork. Or, you know, like, I forgot my cheese cup or whatever it is that she forgot. Can you get it for me, please? So I'm ready to go. And I'm like, okay. Like, it takes everything out of me to, you know, not t tell her, like, you've got your own legs. You can go up. You can get it yourself, right? Because she does. She can do that. But <laughs> now I can't promise that I've never said it, but I try not to all the time. But for the most part, I do get up and I do that for her because that's something that makes her happy. Even though it's something that is a little inconvenient for me to get up and do that, I do it because it makes her happy. Ultimately, I do it because that's how I would want to be treated in that situation. So I want you to think about that the next time your, your spouse asks you to do something for them. Someone who did a great job showing love in the Bible was Ruth. You guys familiar with the story of Ruth? If you're not, it's all in Ruth uh, chapter 1. I'll just give you a little backstory. So it's about Ruth and Naomi. Naomi is Ruth's mother-in-law. They move to this land. Naomi's husband dies and her two sons die. So Ruth and her sister are widowed along with Naomi. So Naomi wants to go back to her land. She tells Ruth and, and uh, her sister, hey, you guys stay here, get remarried. Um, so her sister remarries, but Ruth doesn't want to go. So here's what she says, Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. She goes, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you will stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. You see, Ruth was selfless with her love. She sacrificed her life so her mother-in-law wouldn't be alone. She gave up her life to get remarried to her own people in her land to go be with Naomi because she knew that's what was best for her. She loved Naomi like she loved herself. So how can we show love? I'm going to give you some practical steps on how we can do that. So you can write these down. The number one is be kind. Pastor Clint talked about the Demi Lovato story at the beginning there. I think the world would be just a much better place if we encouraged each other instead of talked each other down. So be kind. Number two is be available. So what do I mean by that? A couple weeks ago, everything's a couple weeks now that I notice it. <laughs> Our power went out. You remember when the storms happened and a lot of people lost power? So we lost power as well for like three days. So I get back. We live in a predominantly Jewish neighborhood in South Bend. So I get back home. Uh, my neighbor's outside. I get out of my car and he just like bolts for me. And I'm like, hey, how's it going? And he's like, uh... Good, good. So our power just came back on, and today's our holiday, so we're not allowed to like move our AC, so our thermostat. We can't do that. Can you come do that for me? I'm like, yeah, sure, let's do that. So he walks me into his house. I follow him. Okay, he shows me the console. He's like, okay, it's on 84, so they're all outside. Now I know why they're outside. It was a hot day. <laughs> so he's like, okay, so there's a down button, so hit that until it gets to 71. So I hit it. Hit it, hit it, hit it, hit it at 71. Then he goes, hit hold. And I hit hold. And I'm like, okay. 
And he's like, all right, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Like, thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go now. So I leave and I didn't think anything of it. I leave, I get in the house and then I just stopped and thought that maybe made his day. Like he could not turn that down because it was their holiday, but I was there and I was available enough to be able to help him. So that's what I mean by be available. So I have a question for you. Are you available? Or do you seem so busy that people can't even have a chance to ask you for help? Number three is be forgiving. I'm sure we've all done things that we want to be forgiven for or things that we regret. That one's pretty self-explanatory as well. I think the world would be a better place if we start by forgiving others because that's what we would want to be done to us. So show love by be, being forgiving. And our last fill-in for this point is love limitlessly. I think of my neighbor who, if that happens again and the power goes out and he asks me like next week and the week after and the week after that, how am I going to respond? Am I just going to go, oh, that's annoying. I'm not doing that for you anymore. Like, does my love have limits or will I just continue doing that? So love limitlessly. So that was our first point. We can love people well. When we use me as a standard, I'm going to invite Pastor Clint to give us point number two. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout. We can love people well when we enlarge our neighborhood. Enlarge our neighborhood. Jesus, Jesus said, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So the question is, just who is my neighbor? All right, who is my neighbor? I think Tony did a great job of explaining what it means to love as yourself. But that's a pretty high calling, to love as yourself. So the question is, well, who am I called to love like that? So if you're married, hopefully your spouse lives with you, and that would be considered your neighbor. Your, your spouse would be your neighbor. And if you have kids living at home, of course, they would be considered your neighbors as well. And then if we go outside of the house... And we look, you know, across the street, that would be your neighbor. Both sides of your house would be your neighbor. If you live in an apartment, probably the, the apartment across the hall and the ones on the side, those would be your neighbors. So, so it kind of makes sense. Some of this makes sense. But then the question is, well, what about that house that's kind of kitty corner from me? Do, is that considered my neighbor? Or, or the house that's two houses down, two doors down? Um, and if I live in an apartment complex, is it, is it just my floor or is it the floor above me or the floor below me? And I don't know about you, but I would want to know that. I mean, I, I do. I want to know that because this calling to love is a big deal. So God, who exactly is my neighbor? I think it's a very valid question. The nice thing is that someone asked that question in the scripture of Jesus. And we're, gonna, we're actually going to read this encounter 
of when someone asks that question, and then we're going to read Jesus' response. It's a little long, but I think it's worth uh, reading the whole thing. So we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Now, this is not someone who I think really wants an answer. This is someone who's trying to test Jesus. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? Jesus replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. I think this expert in the law had been there when Jesus gave that response earlier. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? There's the question. And I can understand that because that's kind of the question I've had with God too. Like, who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, he tells the story of the Good Samaritan. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. So you can imagine this. And this is, by the way, something that did happen quite frequently around there. So he's telling, he could be actually telling a real story, something that they had heard about recently. But this guy is beaten up laying on the side of the road, half dead. But the good news is a priest comes by, all right? A priest happened to be going down the road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. He didn't stop to help, but he was a priest. He would think he would, but he didn't. He passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, so a Levite is someone who's in the, the family of priests. So he comes by, and when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side as well. Then along comes a Samaritan. Now, a Samaritan is a half-breed. They're half-Jew, half-Gentile. They're hated by everyone, and they definitely hate the Jews. So if a Samaritan comes by and sees a Jewish man beat up on the side of the road, he's probably going to kick him and maybe finish the job. But listen what, to what happens. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him... He took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. So he gave up time. He gave up money. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And this is what Jesus says. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. So to answer the question that was asked of Jesus, who is my neighbor? Jesus basically says, anyone you meet who needs love, mercy, or compassion. It's anyone you meet that is in need. That's your neighbor. So the person on the side of the road that has a flat tire and they need help, their jack's not working or whatever, 
That's our neighbor. The person who's in the Kroger's checkout line ahead of us and their card's not going through. You know, it's just not going through and they, they don't know what to do. That person is our neighbor. Or that student, remember this, when you were in school, if you're in school, you know this, that student who the other kids don't like, they kind of pick on, give them a hard time, they're a little awkward. That student is our neighbor. These are all people that are in need of something. Friendship, a helping hand, our time, sometimes even our finances. These are the people that God puts in front of us all the time. And the question is, are you going to love them like you love yourself? Because this is your neighbor. Our neighbor is not defined by where we live or where they live. Our neighbor is defined by someone who we meet, who we see, who is in need. That's our neighbor. But how about this? How about that person who posts all those ugly remarks on our social media page? That person's our neighbor too. Jesus said, you have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. They will know we are Christians by our love. Not just love to our friends and family, not just love to those people who are in need, even love to our enemies, the people who don't like us, the people who persecute us. Because, you know, it was said, I, I heard this recently, that the person who is doing that is showing all that hate, they probably hate themselves as well. And we have the opportunity when someone shows us hate to show them God's love in a way that they may have never experienced before because there's nothing in it for us, which is the way that God loves us. So you can fill this in. My neighborhood has 7.7 billion people. My neighborhood has 7.7 billion people. That's how many people they say are on our planet. So it's everyone and anyone that we come across that is in, the need, in need of the love of Christ, the kind of love that Tony talked about. It's everyone. So that's point number two. We can love people well when we enlarge our neighborhood. I'm going to invite Krista to come up. Let me pray, and then Rose will finish us off in a time of prayer. If Everybody would stand. So God, we come to you, and it's on days like today when we read the truth of the Scripture and we realize that we have fallen short. It's convicting, God. I'm convicted, Father. Your scripture says that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So even though we may feel conviction for not always loving well, there's no condemnation for us in that.
And so our, our opportunity is to repent and move forward and to try once again to do what you've called us to do. So God, I pray that you would speak to us even now as we have an opportunity to respond. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.